Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Uh, it's surprise podcast time, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, two Thursdays in a row. God, we do look after you guys. Uh, so we like to surprise you with a surprise podcast on midweek. We're going to try and do this every week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, bring you two shows every week. Let's build this thing, eh? So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, what what have we been up to in music this week? Uh, it's Tromlines Week. Tonight we're at the Frog and Parrot, as you're listening to this, the 20th. Got Frog and Parrot on the Friday, and then it's the biggest weekend of the year for me. Out in Sheffield, getting trying to stay out of trouble, hanging around the fringe and the main stages of tram lines. Looking forward to see you all from Sheffield if you're out and about. Come and say hello. And we're going to be recording loads of brand new stuff for this podcast. And I don't know who yet, they've not sent me a list of names, but that will all become clear soon. So stay tuned to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And today we've got a very special guest for you too. We've got John from Tillerman joining us right now, ladies and gentlemen. So let's crack on. Let's have a chat. Yeah, this podcast is all about grassroots music and delving into what's going on down here. Uh, telling the stories of the people that are having a journey. Everybody's journey is different. It's always nice to have a chat to catch up with old friends and people in the industry. So shall we do it? Let's go. Right then. So John Tillerman is joining us. Hi, mate. How are you doing? You're all right. I'm very good, thanks, Carl. Yeah, thanks nice for having one. us. You're very welcome. You're very welcome, mate. We just we were just having a little chat before, weren't we? And we we know some old friends from school. Like we kind of like know each other through each other, which is quite nice, isn't it? You know, yeah. tenuous links. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a small world, isn't it? Especially in Yorkshire. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So are you? So are you from Sheffield originally then? I used to work in Sheffield five right, and a okay. half years. I'm cool. from near Huddersfield, a little place called Murfield. Have you heard of it? Murfield, I, I'm, I'm aware of it. I couldn't pick it out. Patrick Stewart, though. that's where he was born. Oh, is it? Up, so okay. to fame. Yeah. Right, fair enough. And, and where, where, would you, where exactly is Murfield? What's it near? Let me try and get me back. It works. Ah, it's in between Brighouse and Dewsbury. It's on M62. So right. how I describe it to people, it's the crossair of England. M1, yeah. M62, <laughs> okay. right in the middle. Oh, there you nice. go, stick a pin, that's Murphy. Oh, there we go, there we go. So, um, yeah, you know, this podcast is all about, you know, getting to know people and telling the story of... Uh, there's, there's always a story to be told uh, in this music industry that we, that, that we love. Um, and this podcast is all about warts and all, so let's just have an open, honest chat about what it's all about, eh? Absolutely, it sounds good So if nobody's heard of Tillerman, John, tell us all about it. What is Tillerman? Yeah, so Tillerman... We're a, a four-piece band, kind of retro-sounding. As I describe it to many people, it's kind of pulling on the influences of our parents' record collections, yeah. Beatles, Stones, Fleetwood Mac, etc., and trying to bring a modern twist to that. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what it is from a sound perspective anyway, guitar-based as well. So obviously it's a band, isn't it? So, so yeah. th- talk us through your history of music. How did you, what was the political landscape like as a little John growing up as a chap. That's it. Well, I grew up in the eighties. Um, and I suppose I think I didn't get into 
playing music till I was a bit older. Yeah. Parents really didn't push anything as musical instruments or anything like that. Mm. But I can remember making up um, little songs and stuff for my friends. I remember analysing tracks at the age of seven or eight and working out why stuff was catchy and really being fascinated by it. Mm. My natural talent had always been from a young age. Art, so I was drawing stuff way beyond my years at two years old yeah. where kids would be scribbling and stuff like that. So I always had a creative streak and I think for a lot of musical artists, it, that's, you know, it tends to stem from art and city. You see a lot of people coming out of art college, mm. running to bands, etc., like your Jarvis's and your Damon Albans, etc. Yeah. So art for me was kind of fundamental to my identity as a kid. And I kind of find, found my way into music as I grew older. Uh, and as you do, uh, when you're 16, 17, you get into bands at sixth form. You find out if you're any really good or not. <laughs> uh, you play a few crap gigs. Yeah. And then that's that was probably the, the early days, as it were, of my kind of journey into yeah. writing songs and messing around and things like that. Yeah, so so uh, like around you then, so like away from art and music and stuff, what was the landscape around you like? Is it, you know, was, was there nothing to do? Was it was there loads to do? You know, the, the times are completely different now aren't they compared to what it were like when we were when we were chaps just knocking about the street that's it that. i mean black and white tv with four channels yeah bmx climbing trees you know come back home when it gets dark that type yeah. of thing um you know a working class family yeah. you know not tons of money around but we yeah. but we had enough do you know what i mean and I had a twin sister as well, and, and a few years later, my, my brother came along. Our time was actually seven year gap there. So yeah. yeah, your average kind of Joe Yorkshire family, really. Um, you know, from a working class background. Oh, so you're a twin then? I am, yeah. Okay. Twin sister. Although I always get asked, "Are you identical?" And I'm kind of scratching my head, thinking, "Is that possible?" <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I'm always fascinated but, uh, by yeah. twins. I don't, I don't know what it is about twins. Did, did you? What was it like? What's it like being a twin? You know what? I think um, not knowing anything different. I think it's only yeah. like seeing other people that don't have that kind of close sibling relationship it was great growing up because i always had someone the same age going through the same stage of life uh, really good like i say having someone you know someone at the same stage of life same class uh, at school up and through the price primary school years yeah. um i think if it, if it had been a twin brother would have probably got up to a you know different activities etc would have been a different kind of relationship yeah. but yeah that was good then my brother came along seven years after yeah. uh, we were born so a bit of a gap there but um, he's the drummer in the band, Tillerman, so oh, nice. had a dynamic to the family when he came on the scene. And what's it like having a sibling in the band? You know, there's famous stories about brothers in bands and, you know, not getting on in there. How, how do you guys... Uh, yeah. How, how, do you, how, how do you get on creatively? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. We don't, we don't fight or argue. We never have done, which is weird. I think it's because yeah. of the seven-year difference. I've always yeah. seen him. I've always been a kind of a father figure. You know, when, when I was 14, he was seven and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, we get on really well. I think because we we sound the same as well vocally. When mm. we used to work at Pete's Rook together years ago and um, people always used to mistake us when we were talking because we got exactly the same vocal right. tone. So that adds quite a, a unique sound to the, the band's music, actually, because yeah. we do harmonies together, etc. And it sometimes sounds like it's double tracked. So... Um, yeah, it's a good dynamic to have, and you you obviously see see successful brother partnerships in many bands like the Gallagher's and the Davis Brothers, etc. Yeah, um, so it's good to bring that bring that 
part of the music. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. So, so the origin of the band then. Just talk us through um, your relationship with music just before you started the band. Then, just and you personally, tell us your story. Yeah, uh, I think I, one of the biggest things growing up was getting a karaoke machine for Christmas right. one year, and I couldn't play guitar or anything. And so I was using backing tracks like 1960s stuff like Rhinestone Cowboy and Downtown by yeah. Fuel Clark and rewriting the lyrics um, and coming up with stuff, you know, and having the backing tracks there already made. That was really fun. Um, and then I learned to play guitar when I was about 18. But before that, I think when I got into my first band at 17 through school, um, joined as a lead singer, wasn't particularly good, you know, terrified on stage. Yeah. That didn't last long, to be fair. And then um, after that, I learned to play guitar and find my voice really, start writing my own songs and thinking, you know what? I'm not bad at this. I can, I know yeah. how to write a song. Yeah. I might not have the best voice in the world, but um, I can write a tune and that kind of put me in good stead. So formed a new band. My brother came into the fold. He played drums from the age of about six or seven. And then um, with a few other friends, we formed First Incarnation, more called Wearing Green. Bit of a crap name, really. It's because of it. Every, everybody, new... everybody has a shite name to start off with. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> don't beat yourself up about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, I suppose the turning point was meeting Sean, the guitarist, yeah. who, uh, who can't be on the call today. But um, I was playing basketball down at our local uh, playing fields, and along comes this chap in a pot pie hat and a New York New York Yankees baseball top when we just hit it off. And then, yeah. lo and behold, a few weeks later, he turned up at the place I was working. He joined the team as well, and we ended up working in a, a kitchen together. Uh, I didn't know he played guitar at the time, and then he started coming along to some band practices that we had on, on a night. Picked up a guitar, because um, he used to play classical years ago at school, um, and then it just worked, and then invited him to join, and then we started writing together. So that was probably the catalyst of the journey from there to where we are now. Um, so the core of the band is me, my brother, Sean, the guitarist, We'd had several bass players along the line, so we've got the the one we got today, which is Ian. Um, yeah, then we. Where did you Where did you dig Ian up from? Then where did you find him? Well, it was, it was funny. My brother was working <laughs> at Pete's Rope in Leeds, and uh, yeah. he was one of the waiters. So uh, uh, we okay. both met uh, Sean and Ian in the places we were working, and it oh, just chance meetings. You know, he told us he played bass. Got him down to a practice and it was unbelievable. It was like, wow, where's this kid been hiding? Yeah. Um, so yeah, thankfully he joined and then we um we started to to push on really and then we became satellite, a different incarnation. What satellite? Kind of satellite, yeah. Okay. So cockpit in Leeds was a regular haunt, as well as some other venues in uh in Uddersfield, etc. Most of these are knocked down now. Yeah. You've got Joseph Swell in Leeds, long gone, yeah. buried beneath the car park. Uh, which is a real shame, but um, the cockpit was one of them. Yeah, I remember, I remember those venues well. And you mentioned you used to work in a kitchen. Yeah, so I was. Uh, I did an art and design degree, complete waste of time. <laughs> uh, graduated, graduated in 22 because I took a year yeah. out. Um, had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I ended up staying in the kitchens, working as a head chef for about three or four years until yeah. I figured out what I wanted to do. And obviously across that time of studying, we were trying to push the band as well because fundamentally what we really wanted to do is make a living out of uh, yeah. music and get it, get signed. That's the dream. Yeah. Get signed, get a record deal. That's your full-time job. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a long shot for a lot of bands. So, yeah. But we, we, we give it a good crack and we, you know, practised and practised. We gigged and gigged. And then um, after a while, we all got partnered up 
and it kind of petered out. So back in 2010 yeah. was when we played our last live gig, which was live at Leeds. And, uh, and that was at Joseph's Well, which is now no longer in existence. And we all went off, got partnered up, got proper jobs, as it were. And then it was slowly but surely we came back to music um, after about five years leading up to COVID. Mm. And then that brings us to the present incarnation. There's a story behind that, but yeah. that's that's where that period of life led yeah, okay. There's a story behind what and what have we, what have we missed there? I don't want to miss anything out. Yeah, so we're all we'd kind of all gone our separate ways at that point. Yeah. 2010 for the last gig of satellite, uh, and the ironic thing was we'd finally found a bit of a sound beforehand. We kind of dabbled at this and the other. We'd all got eclectic record collections. Yeah. We'd had a metal incarnation of what we're doing. Nice. We'd had a cheesy pop yeah. incarnation, <laughs> and um, you know we really didn't know what we were. And then we start to sound a little bit more kind of Britpop towards the end of 2010. And the stuff we were writing was really good, but just life got in the way. We had to bite the bullet and get proper jobs, as it were, uh, and down tools and kind of life took over. And then I think it was in 2015, 16, Sean started playing for, uh, joined another band in Clecking called The Hijacked as a lead guitarist. Um, and I'd watched from a distance Sean play these gigs, Put out a couple of albums, really good. And I, I suppose that created itch needed scratching. Yeah. Going back into dusting down some old demos, writing some new stuff, I bought a little eight track to um, put some ideas on. And then I got back in the studio in 2019 to put some tracks down. And I asked Sean if he'd come in uh, and, and put his guitars down. My, my brother came in and Ian came back as well. We worked on two or three new tracks and we thought, you know what, this is pretty good. Yeah. And um then we knocked out a music video. We did a bit of promo uh, regarding that. And then we were picked up by uh, a German record label and publisher called FBP Music in Frankfurt, um, which we never had before. We'd had a bit of attention well, for the first time in our slow, musical. Slow down a little bit. How, how do you like even have a relationship with anybody in Germany just from, you know, just starting and picking yeah. up and, you know, yeah. having well, another I mean, go at it? How, how do those kind of things happen? When, when we were first doing this years ago, I think the only outlet was things like MySpace, which yeah. was pretty crap. Um, and there wasn't, apart from, you know, the, the paper, the tabloids, etc. there wasn't really much online out, output for kind of music. You know, people were still buying CDs. You know, there wasn't the online streaming presence that you've got now with Spotify. So, you know, it was hard to find bands unless you were just relentlessly gigging. Nice. Um, you know, we used to send demos off to labels in the post back in the day um, before MP3s and all that. Um, and during that time when we kind of went silent for a good probably eight or nine years, there's this boom in technology. You know, you've seen the rise of Napster. You know, you've got um, MP3s came into play. Then obviously Spotify in later years. Facebook appeared on the scene. Uh, MySpace fell by the wayside. Um, and just... For artists, you've just got so much more choice now to bring your music to the public. You know, you don't necessarily have to be gigging every night of the week to whip up an audience. You can do it to a certain degree yeah. online through the right channels. But also there's things like, you might know, Muse or Soup, Submit Hub, mm -hmm. which uh, we use as, as a band to get our music out there to playlisters, to creators, to people writing um, articles and, and I think you actually yeah. featured our last single here, Angels Cry Through, where uh, yeah. user soup. Yeah. Um, so it's a great avenue to reach ears that you wouldn't have come across before. And also, 
labels and creators they sign up to these platforms to hear what's out there you know so they don't have to visit you know 50 different venues in a week okay. we can got a one-stop shop to hear what's out there what the different yeah. genres are what music there is to offer the public oh okay so did they just send you an email and just say hello or did they contact you through one of these sites um so we put i think it was i think it was we put our first ep out on submit hill we one an fbp music picked it up and goes oh this sounds quite good i sent another track yeah this is all right and we sent another track yeah it's not bad and we sent my eden and said oh we really like this i would like to work with you and give you a publishing um you know signing for a publishing deal what well, this is brilliant and i think after you know 15 to 20 years of, of gigging and writing and trying to get somewhere. It's the first time we'd been acknowledged for writing some decent stuff. And we had something that was finished. It was a finished product that actually stuck, held its, um, you know, it's, it held up on its own um, and was appealing. And these guys picked it up. We did a music video and then had a really good response. And then we just carried on writing really. Um, and then funny enough, um, we were looking for some, and a sponsorship opportunities through the instruments we used. And we were yeah. we're already using like Dusenberg guitars, Tama drums, etc. And we'd seen other bands get kind of endorsement deals. We thought this might be a good way to kind of fund an album or another music video. And we reached out to Dusenberg because we were playing some of their guitars. And um they represent the likes of Johnny Depp, uh, Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Mm. Uh, and they really liked it. And they offered mm. um, initially John, our guitarist, endorsement deal and as a sponsored artist. Uh, and then they endorsed us as a band. So we thought, wow, in the space of knocking up two or three singles and an EP, we've got a label on board with us and a guitar manufacturer that want to work with us as well. So we thought, this is pretty cool. Um, and I think it was an affirmation that we weren't just kidding ourselves, yeah. knocking out music that no one liked. It was actually pretty good stuff, which is why we've we've kicked on again, and which leads us to putting this debut album together. No, that's great. And how did the family or, you know, personal close relationships around you react to you going back into music after taking on, taking a while? Cause you know, I, I know yeah. what it's like when you get a bit older, I, my band split up cause everybody couldn't commit to it anymore. They had family and kids that's and that, that kind of stuff around them. They just, you know, it just wasn't a priority for them anymore. How, how did you, how, how did you, how did you, how did you do it? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's a dilemma for most people that have kind of married, got kids. How do you balance that with a, with an extracurricular yes. hobby? You know, you've got to get a pass to go out to, for a meal and a curry with your mates. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So um, this has taken a while. So from the first recordings we did at the end of 2019, it's taken us that long to this present time to finish an album with a few of the tracks. Um, because of that very reason, it's hard to get the time to get into the studio uh, and it's very rarely we've all been there at once recording our bits. Um, it's been as and when we've got an evening free, a Saturday free, etc. We've been able to put this together. Um, it's uh, difficult. How does the family like the? How, how does the, the close people around you? How honest are they with you about the actual tunes and stuff? I find that yeah I mean, interesting because I'd like I'd know, just speaking for my personal level, but my yeah. message should be like, oh, you're on the, doing them stupid podcasts again. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know. It's, yeah, like, your mother will always tell you you're brilliant, won't you? So your mother's always your biggest <laughs> yeah, okay. fan. Uh, but you can't you can't gauge how good you are off your family sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, well received. I think I think if you've got a if you've got a partner of any sort and, and you want to support them, you kind of back them, you back their interests. Sometimes yeah. you can get so lost in life and the mundaneness of it, yeah. work and family, etc., that you kind of lose yourself. 
Mm. And I think that's why I needed to get pulled back into music. I lost my identity to a certain degree. I'd been a creative since the age of two. And then through getting a proper job, you know, getting a mortgage, having a partner, having kids, um, it kind of gets pushed to the side and just become this functioning thing which pays bills. And um, I really needed to get back into being creative. And that was the same for Sean and and the other guys. And it it was a welcome relief from the day to day. And I think our partners saw that. You know what? We'll entertain this because A, it's actually pretty good. Mm. And B, we like to see him happy, I think. And, uh, you know, if anything, we were making music for ourselves. You know, um, I think we, you know, long gone perhaps to the days of, you know, getting signed to a major label and doing a massive tour. You know, that'd be the, that's the dream, obviously, for most artists, but fundamentally it's about making music into it. You've got yeah. to, if you are a creative, even if it's just for yourself, it's a great exercise to do. Um, and it's something that's really so satisfying and, it, and it's provided a, a back catalogue of stuff we can be really proud of, you know, and, and it kind of represents all that work we've put in over the years, do you know what I mean? And it's I, now been... I, I, I can relate to a lot of that because I think if, if I didn't have RGM to piss about with and just... Yeah, you know, if, if I didn't have this creative uh, thing that I do, this magazine, and still hang around in music, I, and I, and I just had the day job, I think I'd be a miserable bastard. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. Mean, I really would. I'd, 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 I'd need, I'd, I need this just to, uh, just to stay creative and keep my mind, you know, doing what I want to do. I think I'd be, yeah, I'd, I think I'd be a worse person without all the stress and uh, the busyness and keeping content coming out all the time. I, I, I do, I do kind of need it. I do moan about it, yeah. but I need it. And it's a passion as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I'm sure like me, you've got record collections that you can dust down yeah. and love. And, you know, you've got a musical journey yourself. You've got songs and bands, that, yeah. which mean a lot to you. Now I was walking to school with my, with my Sony Walkman with a cassette listening to, yeah. You know, um, what's the story, Morning Glory? And that's the soundtrack of my kind of um, A-level years, do you yeah. know what I mean? Casts as well. And these bands mean a lot, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I suppose it's a lot of that kind of music which we're kind of putting into the stuff we're doing now. But, you know, from our day jobs, I work in global payroll and Sean, the guitarist, works in commercial insurance. Nice. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> two really dry-sounding jobs, payroll yeah. and insurance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we, we are creative underneath. And if yeah. we don't have that outlet... I think you just fizzle away to um, this, you know, you just lose yourself, wouldn't you? Your personality, you need something to... You do need, you, you do, you, yeah. you really do. Um, yeah, that that rings true with me quite a lot. Like, you, you just need it. You just send yourself mad. So where do you see yourself within the industry? And what, um, yeah, I'll just ask that question to start off with. Where, where do you see yourself in the grand scheme of things now as Tillerman? Yeah, it's a good question. But to be honest, I mean... From getting back into it, from writing some stuff, yeah. it was always just a scratch and itch. And then to kind of, you know, to finish the story as it were, because it, it felt like we'd not completed that journey when we were out the first time round. You know, we didn't really get much success the first time round. Um, but now it's a case of building a bit of a legacy, something to look back on. But because we've been recognised for it, as I say, we've got a publisher, got a label, endorsements from Dusenberg. It feels like, you know what, there's, pro- there's, there's some legs to this. I don't know how far it could go. Yeah. You know, a small following, selling out a few gigs, you know, shifting a few vinyls. For us, in uh, where we are now, that feels like success. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But you just never know. Some, You know, there are artists that have found success later in life. Yeah. Um, I was having a Google earlier on, and there are a few like CS41, uh, when she first had her first 
number one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not that that's something we're aiming for. We've got yeah. other things, but you just never know. We think the music we've got is decent. We just want it to be heard, really. Yeah. And if that opens up a wider audience, then that will be absolutely fantastic. It, it It's hard, isn't it? Because it, <laughs> I can remember being in a band when I was... I got to my mid-twenties. I thought, oh, I'm very old now. It's just not going to happen for me. Yeah. But it, it, the industry is different for the better, I think, these days, where you can... You, you can get involved, you can release music, you can you can do your own thing. You just have to not put a lot of pressure on yourself and just see where you go, I think, and just enjoy it. I think there's a lot to be said yeah. for that. I see, I see far too many Absolutely. bands that take it miles too fucking seriously. And I just think, just yeah. just enjoy it, for God's sake. Absolutely. Make music you like and put it out there. Yeah. I mean, you look at someone like Jerry Cinnamon, doesn't have a record deal. Yeah. He's got his success based on him writing mm. for himself, having a good time finding an audience and, and, and an audience connecting with it. Mm. That would have never happened 20 years ago. And if you didn't have a label, you had nothing. Yeah. You had no vehicle to reach the masses. But nowadays, you can do. You can be your own label. You, you can release stuff yourself yeah. through Bandcamp, Spotify, etc. So you know, if, if you're pretty smart and you're quite savvy and self-promotion, etc., you don't really need a label. Yeah. And therefore, the artists that come to the fold and in the public domain... They're a lot more varied that you would have got, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You know, the record industry, you know, they box up something and they sell it. It's a product, isn't it? But nowadays you've got far much more variety from different people and all different walks of life that perhaps don't fit the what the, what the label's looking for. And that's going to be championed, really. It's people like yourself. Once again, you wouldn't have had a platform 20 years ago because no. the technology and the streaming services weren't available. So it's far more open for people um, you know, and we're on Spotify with all the other artists, you know, so it's it's really about just getting out there and it's a lot easier to do, uh, you know, and good music will always find an audience, whether it's, yeah. you know, 20 people in Ukraine or three people in Azerbaijan that like your stuff, you know, there's an audience for anything really, isn't there? There definitely is, and what is a record label these days? Anybody can start. Anybody can say, "I've got a fucking record label," and you just one bloke, yeah. one bloke in an office pretending that there's right. They're a, Struck in the cat, they're, they're just, chair. Just, <laughs> just thinking they can sign bands and just make stuff happen for them. But um, it, it, yeah, there's there's a lot of that around. You know, just like small record labels that promise to work the earth and deliver nothing. So, so I think there's the the rise of DIY and the like, the ratings and that kind of stuff just. Bands that are just yeah. doing it themselves without building the the team gradually around them and just and just making mm-hmm. stuff happen for them and just enjoying it in the same time. Hundred percent. Fuck the labels. I mean, the ratings they, they scored their number one album, didn't they? Yeah. I see they were they were flogging their their vinyls at Meadowall on the, yeah. the last few days of the of playing the, Sheffield Arena. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely Man. fantastic. Uh, you know, with a label comes a, a ball and chain. Large it just somebody, comes a bit of debt, and they demand your life it's yeah. like your know, your pound of flesh whereas you know for some like us we've got day jobs as well yeah. we can do what we want we can we can fund our own music videos yeah. we can fund our own pr we can gig when we want you know we've not got the demands put on us yeah you know so that's the dynamic you've got nowadays yeah. with that diy mentality so where where do you see it going next and what's the next challenge for you so you so you so you so you know that the album's happened um you know you've got ambitions the you've got a bit of sponsorship you know there's uh, publishing stuff going on and around you what what's coming up next for Tillerman? yeah so the album's still got to be released we've just yeah. got a couple of tracks to finish we're yeah. going to put some lead down um we're gonna put that out at the end of the summer 
mm. um, push another music video to and video to sing, sorry, single to launch it. Uh, and we're going to do um, something we've seen some other bands that we kind of associated with do, like um, an online launch um, mm. kind of studio performance with oh, cameras nice. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's going to go online. And be, uh, we can be able to stream that. So that's something nice. we're going to do and we're planning at the moment. But we would like to hit some venues um, and get back on the road again. We haven't played a live gig uh, since 2010, so it's going to be a bit weird. You know what I mean, we've played yeah. in the studio together, but we've not we've not actually played a gig since 2010. Wow. So after this um, album launch, we're going to look to get some some dates together and do a bit of promo to it and, and see who turns up. Really, I've, I've but, an uh, album. Must then, be, it must be nice to have. An album nearly in the bag, just like you know, and you've you've got you've got a plan for it already. It's all it's all happening, isn't it? That it must be a nice feeling to have an album. We never did an album. We just never had any kind of like yeah. guidance or anything. We we were just we we just like gigging and getting pissed. It was brilliant. Uh, but... It's a great cultural thing, isn't it? It's where <laughs> yeah. you meet mates, and it's where yeah. some of your best memories are from. Yeah. It? And gigging and writing songs and those experiences yeah. and those crap gigs that you where you, you play and there's two people behind the bar yeah. and there's no one there. We've all been there, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough on the on the circuit. Um, but yeah, so to have an album and say, look, we, we've done this, it's, it's probably an accumulation of, of 20 years' work. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's really, really good. We believe it's really good. Uh, and um, we'd like to kind of take that on to another album as well and, um, and to, to keep writing, really. I think it's... You know, we've got the juices flowing now. It's just good to get back into it. Where it leads, who knows? Yeah. But it's um, it's kind of a it's a long story to where we are now, and it's it's kind of a fulfilment of mm. our talents, as it were, and our journey over the years. Finally, kind of documenting it and um, having something to look back on, as opposed to a few demo tapes yeah. and scratchy recordings that you took on your phone. Do you know what I mean? It, so um, it never leaves you, does yeah. it? No, it don't. And um, you know. I, I do the school run and you know, I'll bump into two or three of my, well, two or three of the dads in the school run mm-hmm. are all, you know, used to playing bands, etc. You know, perhaps they moved down to London and played some gigs and this, that, and the other. And, um, and I can see when I talk to them, the kind of desire, oh, I can see them saying to themselves, I'd love to get back into it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to do it. And I'm kind of thinking, well, why don't you? Yeah. Doing what's stopping you? Yeah. Find that time in the week, whether it's just playing for yourself, you know, writing again, get those juices flowing. Yeah. Have a find a purpose outside of work that's just not you looking after the kids, paying the bills. You know, find a reason to exist. Put your creative skills back, yeah. you know, back to the test and, and do something with it. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a good message that just for just for people that might be listening to this sat at home thinking, yeah, I'm going to pick up a guitar. Yeah, and if you are listening to this, do pick up that guitar and just have a go, and just have a just have a bit of you time, a bit of music. I say, why not? Absolutely. And do you know what? It's, um, if my kids start picking up a guitar because of some of the stuff that I've done, brilliant. Yeah. I, I'd thoroughly recommend getting in a band to any young person. Do you, and I don't how how old are your kids? So, uh, my son's five. My daughter's eight. My son really likes this stuff, and I think he's probably the one that will pick it up. He can hold the tune when my, oh, when okay. my daughter's tone deaf. So, oh, uh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, she might be able to play some of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll teach him some stuff and see where it goes. But yeah, that'd be great. Man. Well, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and you know learning more about Tillerman, mate. Um, is, is there anything uh, like a message you'd like to leave for people that are new to Tillerman that you just want to 
leave them with a, a little message that, you know, is there something you want to share with the people listening today? Look out for the album. All I would call. say is, yeah, I mean, our stuff is a bit of a, is a reminisce. If you listen to the stuff, you'll understand yeah. where we're pulling this, pulling the music from. You can hear the Beatles in there, the Kinks, the Stones, Fleetwood Mac, um, and so on and well, so forth. You, you, could definitely, you, like you, could, you could definitely hear it from Nights in White Saturn, you know, when I was just listening to the tune. Yeah, where, yeah. Where, where, yeah. There'll, there'll be a link to the review where you can watch the video and stuff in the description of this as well, guys. So Brilliant. click on the links too. So, yeah, so loads of influences from back in the day and, you know, if you like Yeah, and then stuff. obviously my, my parents' record collections yeah. when I was kind of growing up, you know, Britpop, the best of Britpop, Pulp, Oasis, Cast, all that kind of stuff. That's influenced us. And yeah. it, it, there's a big gap. There's 20 years gap between that and yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's kind of coming back into fashion. You know, you see a lot of bands, some bands are sponsored by their specials and all that. And that kind of Manchester sound, yeah. that indie pop sounds coming back around again. It's almost ironic that we're having a little bit of moderate attention and success as this is coming back round again. Yeah. Guitars are coming back in fashion. So um, if you're into that kind of scene, indie and guitars and uh, the music of the past, then check us out because it's yeah. uh, it definitely ticks a few boxes. Oh, mate. Well, lo- it's been lovely to catch up with you and join you for the, this podcast today. Uh, have you got much on with the rest of your day today? It's hot. Um, it's hot in this room. Isn't yeah. it? I'm, 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 bedtime room. Oh, have you got bedtime room? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Bedtime. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice one, mate. Well, thanks for joining us for uh, another edition of the podcast today. Um, as always, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're here every week. We've got a new show on Monday and a new show on Thursday coming your way. I will be absolutely knackered after tram lines, but just as a little reminder, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be loads of new content coming out on this podcast, so stay tuned. We've done over 100 shows, ladies and gentlemen. Over 100 podcasts. So if you're new to the podcast too, delve into the archives. What you got to lose? Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us for another week here at the RGM Podcast. We're going to be back on Monday after Tram Lines. Raring to go for another music week ahead of us. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening on the audio version of this podcast, you can watch the video of me and John having a chat. You can see our little faces nice uh, you can also uh, delve into the archives on YouTube as well where you can watch all the, our faces just chat with each other that's always nice check out rgm.press uh, within the link of the description of this podcast uh, we've got the link to Tillerman's video and the review that we did and we'll put a link to their website too so you can catch up and pre-save that album when it comes out too so ladies and gentlemen without further ado I'm going to get off for another week leave you to it crack on with another week if you do find a new band favourite band tag us on on the RGM socials as well because we like sharing that kind of stuff and as always I wish you toodaloo welcome to RGM are you in a band come and join us simply click on the RGM submission page submit your music and we'll sort the rest hello did you know that you can support us in many ways Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe and tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.